So, amen. Good to have you here today. We're going to be in um, 1 Samuel chapter 17, if you want to turn there. We've been going through a couple of psalms here the last several weeks, and most of them were written by David that we've looked at. And today we're going to be looking at the life of David as well. So the psalms um, are songs that were written, right? And uh, often David is writing these inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, But there are difficult moments of his life. Even Psalms 23, which we looked at last week, um, was probably written during a time where David's son Absalom um, has rebelled against his father. All right. And, you know, sometimes we think all the people in the Bible had it all together. Well, David was a person that, you know, is described as a, a man that God loved. Right. But he also had his issues. He he sinned. You know, he he committed adultery. He also sinned by counting, not trusting God. He counted as fighting men. God took a big offense at that. But and out of that, there came a lot of family dysfunction. OK. And so Absalom was kind of caught in that. I mean, he had one of his um uh, siblings. One of his sons raped his sister, and and then the other brother then had that person murdered. You know, I mean, there's just a lot of dysfunction, folks, right? And yet, God used David in a powerful way in his own life. And I think there's offers us hope that God can use us as we are, even if we sometimes have um, dysfunction. Sometimes we've regardless of our past or the things that we've done, God is able to to work in our hearts and our lives. Um, and so we see that in the life of David. And so we looked at Absalom and, and David last week in Psalms 23, how that impacted that psalm. Today we're going to look at defeating the giants in your life. And so one of the most popular stories about David is David and Goliath, right? And so we're going to look at that. We're going to pull some points out of this um, from this story. You know, giants is a term we use to refer to very large people, very tall and large people. And a lot of times they're mythical, right? They're stories, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk, right? You remember growing up maybe with that. Or, but we also know that there historically there are people that are fairly tall. I don't know what the tallest person is right now in the world. Probably somebody can look it up on their phone and tell me, right, real now. But we know that David um, takes on Goliath. Goliath is described as somebody being nine feet tall nine inches so in basketball terms his if he had curly hair and maybe with his helmet and shoes on he maybe touched the top of the, the bottom of the rim with his just standing there right he was one tall guy right um and so uh, and he was a warrior and so we're going to look at this giants can refer to very tall people but we also use that term in referring to maybe things in our life there's giants in our life that keep us from our goals, our dreams, things we want to accomplish. And we say it's a giant, right? It's something so large that we just cannot, we don't have the ability to get through or it's nothing that we want to tackle because it is too big for our life, right? Um, And so that's what we want to look at is what are the things that are keeping us from freedom in our own life and from walking with God and from achieving our dreams, our goals? Um, What's paralyzing? What's intimidating us? And holding us back from living the life that God has called us to live. What is your giant? You know, and as I say that, it may be different for each of you, and I'm assuming it is. We all have our own giants in our life, things that we want to conquer, things that hold us back and that get in our way. And so we're going to dive into this together. But before we do, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, dear God. 
We thank you for this opportunity that we can gather in your name to worship you and to study your word. We pray that you would, uh, this morning, just make it come alive to us. It is your living word of God. And so we just ask your help this morning, and we ask it in your name. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17 in the Old Testament, and if you're following on your phone or your copy God's word, if you'd follow along with me and let's read this together. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces of war and assembled at Succoth in Judah. So the Philistines were an enemy group that were hostile to Israel. They were living there before Israel came into the land, but they were always enemies. The Philistines were always uh, an obstacle to the, to the Israelite people. And so they pitched a tent on Ephraim's Damon between Succoth and uh, Azekah. And Saul and his Israelites assembled and camped on the valley of Elah, and they drew up their battle lines be- to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill, the Israelites the other, with the valley in between them. You get the picture? One on one hill, one the other valley in between. A champion named Goliath, everybody say Goliath who was from the camp, or uh, he was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span, so about nine feet, nine inches. And he had a bronze helmet and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. So that does a lot for us, right? Uh, so you're, I think if you look in your footnotes, about 125 pounds, right? But if you're nine feet, nine inches, you can handle that maybe, right? All right? Some of you don't even weigh that much, right? All right, and on his legs were bronze, bronze graves. They were protecting a bronze javelin that hung on his back. His, he had a spear shaft that was like a weaver's rod, and its iron head weighted uh, point was 600 shekels. So that was about 15 pounds. So how many were shot putters out there, if you were a shot putter, right? That's kind of like what you're dealing with there, right? And his shield bearer went on ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you why come out and, and line up for battle? Why don't you come out? I am not a am I not a Philistine, or are you not the service of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me, and if he is able to fight and kill me, he we will become your subject. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and service. So they're gonna determine who wins the battle by fighting two people fighting. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man, let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all his Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. You know, that sometimes describes us, right? Now David was a son of the Ephraite named uh, Jesse and from Bethlehem in Judah. And Jesse had eight sons and in Saul's time he was uh, very old. Jesse's three oldest sons uh, had followed Saul to war. So there's three of Jesse's sons that are on the battlefield, right? The firstborn was Elab, the second was uh, Amadan, and then the third is Shammah, okay? And David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand calling for somebody to face him in battle. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to battle, positions and shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. 
And David left the things with his keeper of the supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. And as they were talking with him, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped forward from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give him great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also uh, give him his daughter in marriage, and he'll be exempt from taxes in Israel. It's kind of like, whoa, hey, how many of you want to sign up for that? All you have to do is take out Goliath, all right? David asked the men standing him, what will be done for the, the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that we should defy the armies of the living God? And they repeated to him what I had been told and that they had been saying, and this is what was done for the man who kills him. Then Elab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, and he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave you those few sheep in the wilderness? I know you are conceited, and how wicked your heart is. You've come down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, David said. I can't even speak. He then turned away to someone else, brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. So there's a few things that I want to pull out of that. That's a pretty long passage. That was the bulk of, uh, we'll hit a few more, but that was the long passage. What are some things that we can learn? First of all, um, Chris will be putting this up on the screen, is pick your battles carefully. So as I was reading, there was a couple battles that David could have encountered. One was against who? His brother, right? Yeah. You know, his brother kind of picks on him and says, hey, you're conceited. You just want the glory. Why are you down here? To, you just want the news, the, hear the gossip and the news. And so he could have picked a fight with his brother, right? Who else could he have picked a fight with? Goliath, right? The first point is pick your battles carefully. David had a couple options of who he could have fought the battle against that day. He learned that there are some battles that are worth fighting and then some battles that are not worth fighting. Pick the battles that are worth fighting. David could have duked it out with his brother for insulting him, but David had determined that was a battle not worth fighting. Instead, he would rather put his energy, his focus, his time against fighting something that was defying his God and that was holding his country, his nation back, and that was Goliath. Goliath threatened the livelihood of Israel, mocked his God, and Goliath was terrorizing the people and keeping them from the promises of God. Amen? And David says, you know what? That is a battle worth fighting. My brother, you know, yeah, he'll get over it. But this is a battle worth fighting. You know, I, and I think about that, whether it's in your home or in the church or at work, right? How many of the battles that people get into, the arguments, the fighting, how many of those are worth fighting? How many of them are just trivial, right? And if you think pastor's just looking right at me, I'm, not, I'm trying to look at everybody, okay? <laughs> All right. But sometimes we enter into battles and we just need to bite our tongue. We just need to go on, whether it's at home, with our spouse, whether it is with 
our kids or between kids, whether it's somebody at work that just really gets under our skin, there's some battles that are worth fighting and there's some that are not. Pick your battles carefully. And we learn from David that he was focused on what was really important and he had the self-control to do the right thing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, So the temptation can be strong, but pick your battles. Pick the ones that are worth fighting. Pick the things that are keeping you from experiencing your dreams, your goals, your plans, and they're going to help you in your walk with God. Secondly, calculate the reward that is on the other side. Calculate the reward on the other side. Now, David, he asks what? He goes, what is going to be done for the man that takes out Goliath? And they said what? Three things. Great wealth. You get the girl, get the daughter, right? Out of the king. Hopefully she's good looking right now. Do a personality assessment. And then number three was exempt from taxes. Woo, right? That's good. And calculate the reward on the other side. You know, whenever you set out to do something that is worth tackling, right, that is worth doing, you have to have that reward at the end, don't you? Right? Otherwise, you're not going to have the motivation to get there, whether it is losing weight, whether it is getting through school, right? Um, Whether it is uh, maybe a promotion at work that you're working hard for. You have to have that reward. Maybe it's even going to your job. If you, you know, how many would show up at work if you didn't have the paycheck at the end of the week or the end of the month, right? There's reward at the end, right? And you have to calculate the reward on the other side. And David did that, and uh, David says, hey, sign me up. Now, just a little bit of humor side. So Labor Day, that was Monday, right? This was a short week. People were grumpy on Tuesday because of the short week, I think. Um, but Labor Day, we went on a bike ride along on the Council Bluff side. We went up to Omaha, but it goes right along the Los Hills. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but there's a bike trail there. And we did that last year on Labor Day weekend, and so we went back up there this Labor Day, and uh, last time we went 20 miles round trip. This w- this time on Monday we went uh, 30 miles round trip. So the longest one, bike ride that Amy and I have gone is 40. We just didn't feel up to 40 this time. We haven't been biking as much as we did last summer. But we did 30 miles. But what we discovered last time is we're at the trailhead there. As you begin and just get started, there is a tasty treat. So they have pulled pork, they have brisket sandwiches, and they have some pretty good ice cream there. So... So um, so you go do the bike ride, and you come back, and you have that nice. And we, so we went the 30 miles, and there's some pretty good hills there, especially there's a long one on the way back, and you finally get to the top, and then you can kind of coast the last mile or two back to the tasty treat. And so we went there, and, and I had a large chocolate shake, and I haven't had a large chocolate shake in quite a while. But I tell you what, it, it tasted so good. <laughs> it tasted really good. That was my treat, all right? Um, we have to have that reward on the other side. It helps us to get through some of those difficult moments. Amen? Number three, verses 28 through 33. Just look at those. Read some of those again. When Elabs, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking to the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come out here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know that you're conceited in how you're wicked. Your heart is wicked. And you've come down to watch the battle. Now what have I done? He says, I can't even speak. He turned away someone else and brought up the same matter and the men answered him as before 
and David overheard and reported to them. So we read that, verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight. So David said that to Saul. Verse 33, Saul replied, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he is a warrior since his youth. The third point that I want to pull out there is to be careful of the voices you listen to. There was a lot of voices being echoed in David's ear. Okay? First of all, it was his brothers saying, hey, you're conceited. And so his brother attacks his character. And there's going to be times and moments in your life you're trying to take on those, those challenges and maybe somebody's going to attack your character, who you are. That's, those are difficult attacks, folks, when especially somebody that knows you attacks your character, your heart. So he has those words. And then he has Saul. Saul says, hey, you can't go against Goliath. You're, you're too small in stature. He's, he's a mature warrior. He's been fighting since his youth, and he's big and tall. You're, you're a young lad, and you're, 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 you're good-looking. Okay, David's described as rudy and good-looking, but you just don't have a lot of meat on your bones right now, right? And uh, you're still small in stature. You don't have what it takes. And so Saul attacks his ability. And then if you jump ahead to verse 41 through 44, Goliath. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of her kept coming closer to David. And he looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, growing, glowing with health and handsome. Okay, but he wasn't a warrior. And it says that he despised David. Goliath must not have been very handsome. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he says, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. And so now David is attacked by Goliath, attacking his identity and who he was and his God. You know, there's a lot of voices that were coming at David. And often we can... People will say things. We hear people over say things about us and some of the words that were spoken over us. And those words can be powerful, folks. Okay? They can be. Some of the things that were, share, were shared over you when you were small, you still remember to this day. Right? Um, some of those things maybe weren't good words. Be careful of the voices you listen to. David could have listened. If he would have listened to those voices, he would have never stepped foot on the battlefield. He would have said, I'm not big enough. I'm not old enough. I'm, I don't have what it takes. He would never would have stepped foot. Instead, he listened to who? He listened to what God said of him. And sometimes the most powerful voice that holds us back comes not from other people, but it comes from who? Ourself. There's one book, it's called The Power of Story. Thanks, Chris. Did you? Thank you for adjusting it. Um, the Power of Story. And uh, it's written by a guy that uh, works with professional athletes, Olympic people that go to Olympics and CEOs. But he, he just shared in his book, it, it, to me, it was a book that really impacted my life. And he says, The most powerful story you'll ever tell is the story you tell yourself. Right? Because if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe that you have what it takes, then nobody else is going to believe it as well. 
You have to believe it within your own heart, right? And you have to believe what God says over you. But if, if the words inside your own heart are saying, you know what, I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I can't do that. If you don't believe it within your own heart, there's nobody else that's going to believe it as well. The most powerful story is the story that you tell yourself. Other people may compliment you and uh, say, hey man, you're, you, you're, you, know, you, you can do great accomplishments or, or whatever the case may be, but if you don't believe it, um, you'll never accomplish what God's called you to do. I have a quote here. Christians live defeated because of the lies that they believe, such as you're not good enough, you'll never measure up, you're stupid, you're ugly, or the decisions that they make. They live defeated because of the lies they believe. It's important that we understand what God says of us, that He loves us, that we're fearfully wonderfully made, that we're chosen, we're redeemed, we're blessed, we're capable, we're His son and His daughter. Those are the words that God has spoken over each of us. So be careful of the voices that you listen to, whether they come from the people around you or sometimes even within your own heart. You have to get into God's Word. You have to know what God says of you. You are His son and daughter. Amen? Some of you need to hear that. I sometimes need to hear that every day. All right? I have to go back to that because sometimes the voices that we hear are not coming from God. They're coming from other distractions around us. Be careful of those voices. Number four, strengthen your confidence with experience. So let's look at this. David talks to Saul. And Saul says, hey, you're, 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 you're too small. You're young. There's no way. But David says in verse 34, he says, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when, I turned, when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Wow. Now, how many would you take on a bear, right? I shared the bear story last week. So my dad's here today, but I shared about going up the mountain there and getting the moose and coming back in the dark, carrying fresh meat in, in brown bear territory. Yeah. Um, so we talked about that. But David took on a lion and the bear and he defeated them, right? And he says, you know what? I have taken on those Goliath. He will be like one of those bears. He'll be like a lion that I killed. It's no match for me and my God. Experience. Strengthen your confidence with experience. Now, NFL kicks off. I guess it kicked off technically Thursday, but most of the games are going to be today. But as you, if you watch football or your favorite sporting event, you're going to hear that word confidence come up a lot. And they'll say, man, that person has grown in confidence because of training or practice or maturity. They'll talk about that, right? Confidence will come up quite a bit. Confidence is essential because confidence means you have the ability, the perception that you can take on the task that is before you. Okay, if you don't have confidence, you're not going to step out on the battlefield. You're not going to take on that Goliath. But if you have confidence, it's perception. You'll go out and tackle that. And so you're going to hear that come up. But confidence is, is hugely, especially in the sports arena, is tied to experience, getting out there, doing the training, doing the work. 
It doesn't mean that I could be Michael Jordan, okay? It doesn't mean that I could be somebody who I'm not. But it does mean that training experience does make a difference, right? It does give you the confidence. So in the workplace, um, confidence comes as we learn a new trade or a new skill. We become good at it. Then the confidence comes. For David, it was, you know, God is merciful with us. God didn't take David and says, hey, here's Goliath, go out and fight him, right? It began with taking care of his sheep, and then it began fighting off a lion and a bear. And then one day, God says, I want you to take on Goliath. Amen? Experience. Now, most people thought he was still inexperienced, but they didn't see what happened on uh, those quiet days out on the, on the, uh, in the pastures where he was taking care of the sheep. God was preparing him to take on Goliath. Let's look at number five, verses 38 through 40. Then Saul dressed in his own tunic. He put his coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet. So he's putting on Saul's armor. David fastened on his sword over his tunic and walked around in it because he was not used to them. He goes, I can't go out in these. So he says to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. He took his staff, he chose five smooth stones from the stream, he put the pouch in his pouch in a shepherd's bag, he took a sling in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Number five is operate within your strengths and limitations. Saul was a tall man. We know that from when he was anointed king. He stood head, he was above everybody else. He was tall man, he was in stature, and that's maybe one of the reasons he was chosen as king. David was not tall. And so here he is in this, this armor, right? And it was going to be more of a hindrance than a help to David. David probably would have tripped and fell and Goliath would have killed him. But he went out with what he was comfortable with, a shepherd's staff. You know, why did he have five stones instead of one? I don't know. Maybe he knew his own ability, right? Right? <laughs> if I don't get him on the first one, I'll get him on the fifth one, right? All right? Um, he took five stones and he went out to meet Goliath. David didn't try to be something he wasn't. He went out with who he was and he operated within his own ability and limitations. That's a good lesson for us to learn, folks. Don't be somebody you're not. Be who God has created you to be. I'm, I'm just going to share briefly. Um, you know, when I be entered into ministry, especially within the Assemblies of God, our denomination, um, the, the, the pastoral style and the preaching style was the, this preaching style, okay? If I mentioned a Christie, you know, Crabtree, Charles Crabtree, you know, you, they spit, they foam at the mouth, you know, they're just... And um, I felt expectations of that w- when I first started off in ministry, and that is not me, folks. If you know me, if you, I'm this teaching pastor, all right? And there became a point in my ministry where I had to say, hey, this is who I am. And I just kind of went with that. That's who I am. Um, I'm a teaching pastor, and I'm good with that. Now, Pastor Andy, he has a little more of that preaching style, right? And that's who he is. He he probably can't, you know, there's some things he, um, I've kind of mentored him and stuff like that. He takes after me. But he still has his own unique style and gifting that is him and who he is. Go within your limitations and who you are and your capabilities. Amen? Number six, last one. I usually only have three, four points. 41 through 51, let's look at that. It says, meanwhile, the Philistine 
and a shield bearer in front of him. They go out. He says, I'm going to give you your, your flesh to the, the birds and the wild animals. Verse 45, David said to the Philistines, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, with whom you have defied. This is the day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Wow, so this is the very day I'll give your carcass to the Philistine army for the, and the army to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is whose? The Lord's. And he will give you all into my hands, into our hands. The Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly to the battle line to meet him. I just, the confidence that is there, folks. He didn't shrink away from this. He runs to meet Goliath. Reaching into his bag, he took a stone. He put it in a sling and off it went, right? And the stone sank deep into the forehead of Goliath and he fell face down to the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine with his own sword and killed him. Right? He even kept the head for a trophy mount, right? All right. I guess we do that for other animals, right? But David was victorious that day. The point number six is acting in faith triggers God's intervention. Acting in faith. You know, faith is never just static. Faith has action to it. Now, sometimes it means praying and waiting. Um, Sometimes it means taking that first step. And then God says, okay, I'm going to act on their faith. David ran to meet Goliath. That was his act of faith. He had the confidence that God had spoken to him that he was to take out Goliath. It wasn't something that David wanted to do personally. I think God was... His anointing was upon David, and he says, We're gonna, this is something you need to do. David knew that it was something that was ordained by God that he needed to tackle. And as he acted in faith, God came in, and I don't know what God did. I don't know if he guided that stone so it found its mark, or if he put a little more punch behind that so it just went, <clears throat> didn't bounce off of Goliath, but it went, found its mark. I don't know what God did. All I know is that that day, David triumphed because God was going before him. And David was very adamant that the battle was going to not belong to David, but to the, to the Lord, right? He was confident that God would help him in the battle. You know, what are the giants in your life? I'm going to have the musicians come. What are the giants in your life? How many times have you tried to tackle that thing in your own strength, in your own energy, your own ability? Instead of being victorious, you kind of, you gave up. You fall flat. For some of you, maybe there's health issues. You know, as simple as losing weight. You tried it, you know. You know, that isn't necessarily a spiritual thing, but it is, folks. Sometimes it can be a spiritual thing for us. It sometimes keeps us from doing what God has called us to do. Because of our health. It maybe is a secret sin in our life. And each of those secret sins, we've come up against those giants a few times and we're the ones that goes, leaves the battle with the tail between our legs and said, man, I had good intentions, but it didn't happen this time again. And instead of dealing with it, we, let it, we leave it out there and it taunts us. 
and it keeps us from pursuing what God has called us to do. It could be toxic relationships in our life that are keeping us back. That's our Goliath. and Sometimes we don't know what to do about that. Maybe it's obstacles in our life that are out of our control. We have no control over them. And so then we, we do our best, but we end up defeated. Maybe it's a goal in our life that we want to pursue, and it's just, it just seems too far out there. Maybe it's that dream that God's placed in your heart and you just don't know, how do I get from here to there? It just seems too big. It probably is. You know what I've learned is that the things that God calls us to do usually kind of stretches, not just a little, but usually a lot. And if you can do it in your own power and energy, it's probably not a dream worth accomplishing. Okay? God dreams are ones that God has to come alongside of us and we step out and God does the rest, right? It's a cooperation. It's not just God. It's not just us. You know, I can't just sit in my recliner and say, hey, God, go do it. Woo! All right, go God, right? We have to step out like David and then God comes in. There's that part of faith that is active and that God's going to work. So I'm going to repeat that again. What is your giant? What is the giant in your life, your Goliath, that's held you back from just being who God has called you to be? There's maybe other limitations there. What is it? I believe that God can help you. And God can help you defeat it. I can't tell that you may tr- not, tr- you know, I can't promise you're not going to trip along the way. But see, that's why we have even each other. Because if one of us falls, we have somebody to help pick us up, right? Right? Amen? Would you stand this morning? I'm going to lead in a prayer of salvation and just a prayer for us. And If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I just want to end each service with that because today may be your day. Amen? If you don't know Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you don't know that if you were to die today, God forbid, but you don't know if you had the promise of heaven. And I believe that we can know that we have that hope and that promise. So I'm going to invite us all just to pray that prayer this morning. Say, Dear God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Give me the strength to follow you each and every day. And Lord God, I don't believe anybody is here by accident this morning. I, um, I believe that we all have some form of a giant in our life. Some things that have just kept us back from achieving your best and what you have for us. It can be things that are harming our health, our spiritual life our relationships. And God, there's, there's times we maybe we've been even trialed, maybe many, many, many times, and we've just given up. We've just decided, I'm just going to have to live with the giant. But God, that isn't from you. Those voices aren't from you. It's from ourself and from defeat and the lies. And so, Lord God, this morning, I'm just praying for your help. It's nothing that I can do personally, but, but God, you're truly faithful. You're the God of David. You're the God that have, 
has led so many people through scripture that we read, Lord. And, and even today, Lord God, you, you're so faithful that as we put our faith and trust in you, Lord God, you can, you can allow us to take down the Goliaths in our life to glorify you and to magnify you and to be all that you've called us to be. And so, Lord God, this morning, and just I'm just going to ask you to just to raise your hand, eyes closed, just to, just a symbol saying, I'm just lifting my giant to God this morning. I got my eyes closed. You keep your eyes closed. But just lift that giant to God. You know what it is. Father, we just give it to you, Father, this morning. We need your strength. We need your help. We need your wisdom. Lord God, we cannot tackle this on our own. And many times, for I believe, I think I'm speaking for a lot of us, we've tried tackling these things many times. And God, we just need your help. We need your wisdom. We need your strength. We need each other. We need some trusted couple people maybe to walk through it with us that have our back. And so, Lord God, we lift it to you, Father. We're praying for your intervention. We're praying for your, your uh, action, Lord God, as we step out in faith. Lord, bring down that giant in our life. We give you the thanks. We give you the praise. And we ask it in your name this morning. Amen. 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 Jill, I'm going to steal that from you. Amen. Pastor Victor, would you come? Amen. God is good. He's never going to let us down, folks. He's not going to call us out onto the battlefield and said, hey, take on Goliath. I'm going to have lunch someplace. He's going to be fighting for you. He's going to be fighting for you. Amen? He's not going to never. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Amen. I'm going to have our Hispanic pastor come, Victor Corrales, and close us in prayer. It's good to have our Hispanic congregation here with us today as well, uh, fellowshipping with us. I'll give some instruction, but go ahead and uh, just close us in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for this day, this opportunity to share in your house, to receive your blessings. I enjoy in your presence. Father, thank you for everyone to listen to your word. Thank you because you every day, every moment have a big blessing for everyone to believe, to seek you, God. Thank you. I bless everyone in there. In the name of the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.